Welcome to Tiger Resilience podcast series. With over 25 years experience directing addiction programs, these series are designed for anyone who is struggling with a loved one dealing with addiction. Through these programs, you will gain insight, awareness, and vision into all things about addiction. Here is where addiction education will assist you in reaching your human potential. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Bernie and I am the host of the series for Tiger Resilience Podcasts. And I have the great pleasure to have with me once again, Dr. Jamie Redwing, who will be joining me on a conversation today that we'll get into in a second. Uh, I want to take a moment and thank everyone for their busy schedules to take a moment and sit down and listen to our podcast. Certainly, we know that life has got a lot of things going on and we are greatly appreciating your opportunity to give us a chance to hopefully give you some information that will benefit you and your family going forward. So I'd like to welcome Jamie, Dr. Jamie Redwing. Say hello. Thank you once again for coming back onto the show. Hey, Bernie, what a pleasure. This is great. I love talking with you and I'm really tickled about the opportunity to talk to you folks out there that are listening today. Excellent. So today's conversation is a big one. Um, Jamie and I have been working on a new program that we're going to be putting out and it's on medication assisted treatment. And we are specifically going to be talking about this as a podcast topic because it is something I think that is necessary because there's a lot of misinformation, uh, a, a lot of unknown information about it, as well as a lot of uh, preconceived conceptions of what you should and should not do. So this is not in any way, shape or form to promote or to detract from it. This is not a this is about information and giving you what we know about it, and then you will still make your own informed decisions going forward. So we're not doing this as in any kind of advocacy, just trying to explain what are the best practices for treatment in today's world, uh, the medical model specifically. And Jamie will talk about that and, you know, the successes of individuals who are struggling. And again, we're talking about opioid addiction. And just for the audience uh, reference, when we discuss opioid addiction in today's world, we really are talking major about the fentanyl problem that we have out there, the epidemic itself. Um, so that's that being said, that there's a lot to be said about what MAT can do uh, for individuals. So, um, so I'm going to certainly let J uh, Jamie segue here in a second. But one of the challenges is just to understand first in addiction and early addiction is that when somebody gets to the point where they are in addiction, they have altered their brain chemistry. The way that their body and their, their system works has changed. They're not doing the things that they normally would do. Uh, their body's not responding the way it is because that's what uh, addiction becomes in changing the body system itself. And that's certainly Jamie's going to talk about that in a second uh, from her background and expertise as a medical professional and an addiction specialist on this. That there really is an altered brain chemistry. And it's important to understand that because there are people who are out there who will see that addiction is, you know what, they just stop they can go back to normal, you know, like the rubber band metaphor, you just pull it out and then you spring it back and they're back and they're all, they're okay. And everything is all fixed. And, and that is the farthest thing from the truth because that's not what is actually happening from a physiological and a biological standpoint, as well as a, a psychological standpoint too, as well. So I'm going to let Jamie kind of uh, elaborate on that piece about addiction and brain chemistry and how this does really alter our chemistry. Hey, thanks, Bernie. This is great. You know, a lot of us uh, were raised um, to think that people with substance use disorders, addiction, uh, it, this is mostly a choice. It's like, oh yes, hey, you can stop. Just stop. Just stop. 
as was famously said many years ago. Yes. Yeah, just just, just say no. You don't love me, just stop. That's right. If you really loved your child, you would stop. Uh, if you don't stop, you're going to lose your job. Yes. And how are we going to live? And and on and on and on. And the prejudice that we have towards uh, folks with substance use disorders is, is massive and pervasive. And for many people, particularly for those of us that love, either through family bonds or through bonds of deep friendship, folks with these kind of issues, oftentimes we scratch our head and we go, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? You know, you've had two DUIs and now you've had a third. Get your stuff together, man. Exactly. But what we're not told is that the whole process of addiction is a brain disorder. Yes. Now, a lot of people think, oh, you're just making everything an illness. And sometimes that might be a fair criticism. I, I, I can't rule that out. But when it comes to addiction, this is based on decades and decades of millions of people's experience and a whole lot of solid, reproducible evidence in the scientific yes, and medical world. Mm-hmm. So if I tell you that it's a brain disorder, what do I really mean and what does this have to do with MAT? Well, it's kind of fundamental because, as Bernie said, when we start using any kind of substance, whether it's opioids or benzos like Xanax or drugs like that or alcohol, uh, even nicotine and tobacco and all of the other chemicals that are put into cigarettes today – any substance, and that even we've come to discover includes things like behavior, sexual addiction, yes. Uh, yes. gaming, particularly gaming in, in yes. gaming and gambling mm-hmm. in other parts of the world, yeah. and sometimes more so than here. So all of these things have a common core, and the common core is our brain chemistry works like a well-oiled machine yes, most of the time. Most of the time. But if you have the right genetics and the right upbringing and exposure to trauma and difficulties, it doesn't mean that you had a bad family, but gee, maybe you grew up poor or gee, maybe you grew up and uh, had your house flattened 48,000 times by tornadoes or there's a bunch of different things. Bullied in school or you were, yeah, a lot of different things can be related to trauma, certainly. Today we call them adverse childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. This is not to blame. I'm just saying we've discovered that there seem to be basically three parts yes. to people becoming dependent and then addicted to certain substances. So mm-hmm. genetics, upbringing and environment, and eventually exposure to the drugs to the drug or medication mm-hmm. themselves. So with all of that as a background, People that don't have this issue have a way that their brain works and you squirt out a chemical here and that causes a reaction over there and we're able to get through the day more or less able to not worry about how our brain works. Yes. But if we start taking a substance and take it long enough, well, doc, how long is long? Well, that depends. Depends on the drug, it depends on the person, it depends on the environment and the circumstances. Mm -hmm. But what we can say is if somebody takes in that outside substance long enough, if you're susceptible to addiction, and you're really not going to be able to tell that unless you have an expert sitting down with you, 
And even then, we can't predict yes. at all. <laughs> but if that keeps up, then the way our neurons or the brain cells work is fundamentally altered in that time. Yes. And all of a sudden, the normal pathways that help us deal with pleasure, with pain, with focus, with memory, with concentration, with our levels of nervousness or calm, mm -hmm. all of that gets changed. Yes, indeed. And as the changes continue through time, the brain cells become dependent on that outside substance in order to work normal. relatively normal. Yes. In the beginning, a lot of people, as I'm sure you guys are aware, they go ahead and let's say have a couple drinks or maybe a toke of marijuana or maybe a bump of cocaine, that is to say a sniff of cocaine, whatever, and they get really high and they have a great time. But as people continue to use substances, eventually they get to a point where they're not getting happy, happy, oh man, this feels great. They're struggling to use enough to just get up to the point where they feel normal. normal. Correct. The pain pleasure piece kicks right in and you're no longer seeking pleasure. I just want to feel like I'm back to baseline. I want to feel as a normal person once again. So true, Jamie. So true. Precisely. So we're getting to MAT. I just kind of kind of go through this process. So we have a brain that is not exactly the run of the mill. It's susceptible to addiction. We get exposure to a substance. We persist in that exposure. Now our brain chemistry is altered. Yes. It ain't running right. Yep. The rubber band is not coming back. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's stretched and it's definitely still out there. Lots of times I, I once heard it uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, once you're a pickle, you never go back to being... The cucumber. Uh, there you go. Exactly. Yes. So now person comes into treatment. We The drug that they've been using is withdrawn. And we give them lots of medications to help them through the process. And we give them a drug that will occupy the little things in the brain called receptors, which mm -hmm. is where the drug used to sit. Yes. When the drug isn't sitting there anymore, the body goes yeah. bat, batty, yes. bat shit. <laughs> yes, and we'll call it. And that is the withdrawal symptoms of the individual as they're, as they're going through that poor process. That's correct. Now, what we discovered over decades of working with human beings is if we could put another drug in the place of the problem drug and then just have that person take it regularly on a schedule every day and they were also working on living without drugs and getting the help they needed yes. and a whole big constellation of assistance and therapy, then they tended to stay clean and sober longer they tended to not have as many relapses. The relapses tended to be shorter, and the death rate went down. Huge. And I'm glad that you, you preface that, too, because it really does make a big difference. And in our challenges, and again, part of the conversation today does center around the the acute issue of this opioid epidemic, that it is no longer a, is a as, as people from maybe 20 years ago would discuss, heroin epidemic. And this is really... You know, heroin is almost un unheard of anymore because everything is now cut with these psychoactive substances, fentanyl products that are all just being brought into the marketplace on a daily basis and consistently even changing some of their chemistries around. And 
these are a, a very different animal because the problem is, is that individuals who are struggling with this addiction, the overdose possibilities are extremely high. And, and as Jamie pointed out, the process of working through treatment, a lot of the challenges with patients in my experience working with them is that they feel they want to get clean and they feel clean means don't take anything. Let me just get through the withdrawal process. Give me my medications. Let me get myself kind of cleaned up a little bit. And then I get back out into the real, real world and I'll be okay because my brain will once again spring back and it doesn't. And the challenges really become is that those behaviors, those compulsive behaviors, the, the thought process is still not right. And they are still having the cravings and that craving, like anybody who knows what a craving is, regardless of it's the, an addiction or it could be, you know, it could be the brownie, it could be the coffee in the morning or the cigarette in a sense. And they will go out and the challenges are with the life-saving piece to this is that an individual who is no longer has a tolerance for this medication, they go out and they do maybe there are two bags of fentanyl that they've done you know, faithfully for some period of time, now they're no tolerance ability. And then this is what creates the overdose. And here's where these deaths, these death numbers are growing exponentially in a sense. So, um, and, the, and the challenge with that certainly is a lot of it has to do with the fact that people think that clean, and I think it's the way we define what is, what is sober, what is clean. And I think that's a big piece of the conversation with MAT is I, I think we have to redefine that in a sense. Um, and I think it's determined on the individual. Are you doing behaviors that got you into all the problems that you did before or have you right-sided your life? And if there's something that helps you, you know, does that mean that you're, you're not clean? Is that, you know, I use often the diabetic example because a person who's dealing with diabetes as a type two, not a born, but let's say somebody has type two diagnosed and they're in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. And, and it's because of a lot of lifestyle changes that they've made or they did not take care of themselves that well. They put on weight. They didn't exercise. They were eating a lot of poor food choices. And all of a sudden, they, their body's no longer able to metabolize and deal with glucose correctly. So they get a medication, and that helps stabilize the body. Now they're stabilized, and now they go out and they start changing their behaviors. They change their eating habits. They start going to the uh, taking walks, if it's going for walking or gyms or whatever that might look like. And now they're, they're back to what they would call that normal. The, the rubber band goes back because the body system is now producing at a normal level. And maybe that individual might not need that medication later on. Again, that's going to be case by case basis for some individuals. Um, a lot of the folks that we work with in the treatment facilities, depending on how old they are, how long they've been doing this may be a factor into what plays out. But the important thing is not how long are you on the medication for, or is it for a long term? But does it work now? You know, and, and the answer I know, and I, for my part, is I've had experiences that anyone who's dealing with an opioid addiction right now, medication-assisted treatment is, is the medical model. And Jamie will certainly talk more about that because this is where the professionals come in and say there really is only one way to treat this. Abstinence will potentially put somebody into a death row because if they go back out and use again, they're susceptible. So I'll let Jamie talk a little bit more, about, uh, certainly as a doctor, to talk more about the medical model with that. Sure. Thanks, Bernie. I love the example of the diabetes. And that, that that's almost uh, in, you know, in plain layman's terms, that's yes. an exact analogy. Yes. And it's yeah. wonderful. So I'm going to loop back around and continue a bit more uh, kind of on in, in plain English about the brain chemistry, because yes. this is the foundation of why we do MAT. And I think it's important for people to understand that in order to counteract 
the myths and beliefs that so many people have about MIT. Correct. It's evil. It's you're doing the same thing again. Correct. I don't want my kid on it. I don't want my husband on it yeah, or you're my not, wife. You're not clean. You're not sober if you're having to take a medication, really. At, exactly. At the, end, at the end of the day. So I'm going to loop back around and I'm going to say, okay, so we've established there's a kind of a normal brain chemistry. And when people are addicted to a substance, uh, the, the natural flow of the chemicals in the brain is yes. altered fundamentally. Yes. And unless and until the person stops taking those outside chemicals, it will remain that way for yes. life. So let's pretend like we're in a uh, Disney movie, movie <laughs> and we're going to cone all the way down from the guy or gal we're looking at all the way down to one individual brain cell. Okay. All right. So we're looking at the little brain cell. And we're going to listen to that brain cell talk, all right? And that brain cell is going to tell us, hey, I had my drug yesterday. It's not here today. What's going on? What have you done to me? And they, oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Well, no, it's not going to be fine. I've got nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, the chills, the shakes. I'm hot. I'm cold. I'm so anxious. I can't even sit still on my chair. I feel so depressed. I feel like shooting myself, Yes, you know, and I've got diarrhea on top of that. Leave me alone and get me my drug back. Okay, so we're going to listen to this brain cell again. And even though the human that it belongs to is actually starting to feel a whole lot better, actually, you know, they don't need the medications for all of those symptoms I mentioned, but they're not feeling terribly at ease within themselves. Yes. And one of the reasons for that is that for that brain cell, we're going to listen again a few days later, and the brain cell is now saying, I'm going to die. If I don't get. If I don't have my drug. Yes. To the individual brain cell, to the brain chemistry, it's as if it's life or death. Absolutely. To get that drug back. Yes. So when you see people and you hear about people doing really ordinarily insane stuff, if you loved your daughter, you would never do this again. If you loved me, you would stop drinking. Yes. Uh, how can you put a needle into your arm when you're making, you know, six figures a year? What yes. is the matter with yes. you? Yes. What we are never taught is that once that brain chemistry is altered to the individual cell that has become dependent and craves that substance and becomes impulsive and compulsive to get it. Yes, indeed. And they begin to lie, to cheat, to steal, to divert, to deflect, to sneak, to hide, to slip, to slide, whatever the person has to do because it's driven by brain chemistry. Yep. This is not an excuse. It doesn't change or, or uh, justify all the behaviors. It's just that by understanding what's causing an otherwise rational person to be behaving, there's no other word for it, crazily, yeah, crazy. mm -hmm. then you just have to label them as a, as a crazy idiot, a failure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. What we discovered was to abort that frenzied craving, 
we could slip another drug into the brain that attaches to the brain receptors yes. that ground that drug. And all of a sudden, all that stuff began to settle down. It's not screaming for anything anymore. It's not screaming it's for anything anymore. Satiated and, he's, and that cell is feeling normal. Not, That's right. Yeah, Because this isn't about effect. This is not state change. This is feeling normal. This is about putting a person in a normal state so that they can function on a normal ability. It's not about getting high. It's not about that, that, that journey left a long time ago with addiction. This is about stabilizing it. Wow. Yeah. And normality, if a person stays what we refer to as clean and sober, um, and we'll use that term for uh, for today because yes. it's the term we are, we're all accustomed to hearing yes. and, and we're not doing a scientific dissertation here. We're talking plain English, yes. right? So if a person stays clean and sober for uh, various lengths of time, the brain chemistry does in this miraculous process slowly revert back to a so-called normal state. Absolutely. Now... What also happens is when people get clean and sober, they don't have the coping skills that they need to deal with strong and unpleasant emotion, mm -hmm. to deal with the emergence of cravings, which are going to pop up. Absolutely going to be there. They're yes. going to pop up. And in time, if you're fortunate and you're not using for extended periods of time, those cravings are like uh, waves in the ocean. Uh, they come in and they go out and then uh, less and less and yes. less. So to recap, we have a person whose brain chemistry is altered. This is not an excuse. This is what happens this to This is the beings. actual explanation. This is a fact. We discovered that if we substituted another drug for the drug of choice and then the person wasn't using and then later years we discovered and the person is getting emotional and psychological support and they may benefit from going to 12-step meetings and they have all of the necessary supports and they're able to begin to learn how to cope with life. Life on its terms, yes. On its terms, without the drugs, the brain healing continues. Yes. So we discovered that by putting these drugs into the brain on a regular basis... On, on the right people for the right reasons and under the right circumstances, people eventually went back to practicing law for 20 years, went back to their jobs, were able to go back to school yes. to oh, get yes. a high school degree. Yep. And people were able to begin to function in society the way we are, quote unquote, supposed to, unquote. Yes. So when people discovered that medications like methadone were being used, there was outrage in some parts because like, what are you doing to my friend, to my family member? Not understanding the medical reasons behind it. In the beginning, MAT was an option. It was a choice. Yes, it was. We had ad abuse for alcohol. Later, a drug came out known as a Camprosate. Yep. The trade name is Camprol. Camprol. Mm -hmm. In 1997, I was privileged to be in New York at the meeting for the American Society of Addiction Medicine when they announced and had many, many discussions on buprenorphine, which mm -hmm. is the scientific name for what we now call uh, subutex or suboxone. Mm -hmm. And it was packed wall to wall. There were no chairs available because this was, this was the newest thing to come down the road. So all these drugs gave a person a fighting chance. Absolutely. 
to be freed from overwhelming cravings that just don't stop. Have other people recovered like an Alcoholics Anonymous without any MHT? Of course they have. But what we discovered is that by using this process, and by the way, you don't have to be on it for life. Correct. The rare person is, but that's rare. It's, it's a various length of time. What we discovered was that these people had longer periods of sobriety, had fewer relapses. The relapses tended to be less severe, and the death rate from overdoses and relapses was greatly reduced. Absolutely. And those tendencies have been repeated over and over and over again in time. So early on, it was an option in treatment today. MAT for opioid use disorder is considered essential, natural, should be practiced. The standard standard of operation. It's indeed. a standard of yeah, care. Absolutely. So, no, Jamie, that was really great. Thank you so much for that insight. Um, what a great way to put that together. I, and I can imagine being in that conference, what that was like. Um, you know, the challenge, again, really is the misinformation is that we are replacing one drug for another. And, you know, the, the validity of that is that, yes, we are, but we're not. It's, it's the whole process of this treatment model is it gives the individual a chance to get their lives together. And again, go back to the diabetic example. Somebody has that opportunity to be able to enter society again, to get to be able to learn and work through their emotions, to have the, as Jamie pointed out, the resources, the supports that will help them learn to cope with life again. Because in many ways, are the folks that we work with, on average, not everyone, of course, but they come in and they're very broken because there's a lot of things that have happened in their lives, behaviorally, financially, emotionally, family, loss of individuals. And it, it really is uh, heartbreaking, but it's going to take time for that, you know, that four letter word time to heal. And this is a resource that is available uh, that will allow people to do it. And it is the standard of practice. So I, I think a key takeaway is also to understand that the new way we look at sobriety is is what is working for an individual in their life, right? Because sobriety for one isn't necessarily look the exact same way as it does for somebody else. If somebody's recovered without a medication and treatment, they're fine. If somebody who is pre-diabetic and they go out and they get to the gym and they change their body and they make all those shifts in their lives and they're able to avoid having to take a medication for that diabetes aspect, uh, then that's great. That works for them. That's some recovery somebody else, they may need that. So I, I just love to make sure that we're very clear that, again, this is not an advocacy. These are standard practices right now that we just want to inform people to know that this is how you can potentially save somebody's life if they're struggling with an opioid addiction and more so than today. Yeah, I want to jump in. Um, it occurs to me that it might be worth mentioning to you guys. There, We dose uh, MAT very, very differently than the way people use drugs. Oh, of course, yes. So when I'm using a drug, whether it's nicotine, alcohol, mm. you know, uh, whatever it is, or if I'm injecting or snorting or eating opiates, um, I'm taking as much of it as I can, as often as I can. And if I have a prescription for, let's say, I've just had surgery and I have a prescription for pain medication that includes oxycodone, that would be Percocet, for example. Mm -hmm. I might take it three times a day or four times a day, more likely as prescribed. But by golly, I'm also taking it another four times a day yes. in dribs and drabs yes. when I feel like it. Not necessarily because of the pain, but because I just feel like I have to have it. 
And then after a while, I actually do feel that I have to have it. Now, that's a sort of, if you will, a chaotic way of taking that medication. Yes. I'm not talking about people in severe pain that are not uh, crippled by a substance use disorder. I'm yes. just saying Right. But in MAT, we give a specific amount on a specific schedule that never changes. Correct. Now, if the person receiving that MAT is also not smoking marijuana on the side, and I'm not I'm not talking again about CBD, which yes. is a non psychoactive substance. Correct. Uh, f- uh, yeah. Derivative yeah. of cannabis yes. or marijuana. Uh, if they're not drinking on the side, if they're not doing any other drugs, then the regular, careful administration of this opioid to prevent cravings and to relieve the person of many of the characteristics of active addiction, which we've described, you know, preoccupation, impulsivity, compulsivity, all that stuff. What happens is that the brain chemistry reverts back to normal yes. in time. So you can use the same drug, let's say methadone. Most people don't abuse it, but let's use it for an example. I can be taking methadone every day and I'm dependent. As you said, if I stop taking it, I'll get sick. I'll be, it, it, it's not pretty. <laughs> yes. um, but if I take it the way it's supposed to be taken at my methadone clinic and I'm not doing other drugs and I'm getting all of the other stuff that you've described so well, like in diabetes, Mm -hmm. the supports, my brain chemistry will relatively quickly become sort of rock solid, if you will. Yes. But if my buddy in line with me is also taking his or her methadone, same dose as me, same time every day, but is dibbing and dabbing on the side, having a drink here, having a toke there, this or that. That brain chemistry is not rock solid. Nope. Not and dealing. it has defaulted over back to the brain chemistry of a person in active addiction. Absolutely. So this is where MAT gives people a fighting chance to yes. make it through those first months and maybe year or two yes. of recovery when all of a sudden they have to learn how to cope in the real world. They have to learn how not to blow up when they're frustrated. The memories of abuse for many people begin to surface and can destabilize everything in their life. Yes, indeed. A parent dies, a child dies, a spouse dies, a best friend dies, Yes. and they don't have the internal supports to withstand that because they haven't been clean and sober long enough. Correct. Here's my support. So I have an MAT that is working for me and is benefiting me because I have that. And of course, I do need a support structure too as well. So to be very clear too, MAT is a tool, but it's not your toolbox. It's exactly. a tool in your it's a tool in your toolbox, but you need many things that certainly will help you. So that was so well explained, Jamie. Thank you so much. So really the the premise of the conversation today really was to discuss that MAT is is an option, that it isn't this old mythological, well, it's just replacing one drug for another, though in very technical sense it is, but it's not because this is, Jamie pointed out, controlled. And this is designed to be a controlled substance that helps an individual, again, going back to the diabetic example, that helps them so they can stabilize their lives again so that they can get back to that normalcy 
and maybe eventually in time be able to just be completely clean from anything else as well too. So, and part of our program as we're moving forward with it, the MAT program that we're putting together right now, which will be out by the end of April, 2022, will be available. Uh, this is gonna explain a lot of this in, in much greater detail, but in a very practical way because it's not about making this complex, it's about taking this conversation and making it as simple as we can so that you can understand and make informed decisions. So, Jamie, any closing uh, words at all for our audience, any kind of input? Yeah, thanks, Bernie. I, I often tell folks, hey, look, you've been hit by a SEPTA bus. And kudos to SEPTA. I love, I love our oh, that's transportation. A great that's, a great, that's a great metaphor. That's, that's a, great way to, a great way to segue. You're hit I, with a bus. Yeah, I've, I've, I've ridden our transportation system ever since I moved to the Philadelphia area for many, many years. I love it. So kudos to you guys. You've just been hit by a SEPTA bus, all right? So you're in the emergency room, I'm not just going to sit there and say, hey, man, you know, you, we really want you to live naturally and we want you to be clean and sober without any of those da darn drugs. Uh, so we're not going to put a cast on your two broken legs. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You're just going to have to kind of suck it up and, and, yeah. and walk on broken legs yeah. for the next eight yeah. weeks. No, <laughs> I won't be practicing medicine for very long. No. Not in North America, probably anywhere else. Yes. So MAT is a cast. It's a, it's a protective device. It works on the cellular level in the brain. Yes. And many of us believe that with rare exceptions, it's essential in terms of the statistics to get people through that crisis and vulnerable period. You know, cast isn't permanent, right? So this is about getting somebody so they can get to the level where they are back on their normal two legs that have been healed now in a sense too. What a great way to, to segue that. So I'd like to thank uh, all of you out there in the audience once again for your very busy schedules. I know that it takes time to, you know, out of your day and hopefully you're listening to this either on a uh, some ear pods or uh, on your way to work or, or sitting at home and relaxing. And, and we do think that you can gain some value out of this and we hope that you would find some, uh, some additional information from us by reaching out to us at tiger-resilience.com if you'd like to learn more about the programs and what we do here. As well, uh, we are very fortunate again to have Dr. Jamie Redwing. Thank you once again for being part of the show today. We're trying to make, yep, we're making Jamie a regular here so we, we can make these uh, hopefully with the schedule going forward uh, so we can have much more information about it from the medical standpoint as well, which is my, I'm naive about, I'm not a doctor. So this is where this expertise really helps us out. And again, we will be having our MAT program launched by the end of April of 2022. So, and we'll have information again on our website. We want to thank you for your busy schedule and time once again, and wish everyone out there a very blessed day and enjoy your week. And we'll look forward to speaking to you next week. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Tiger Resilience Podcast. For more information, please visit us at our website at tiger-resilience.com. If you found value in this show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. It is very much appreciated. This is Tiger Resilience, addiction solutions for reaching human potential.